And there's churches on every block. And having a building isn't the problem. Obeying Jesus is the problem. Welcome to On the Road to No Place Left. This is Feeney, and I'm driving as we learn to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard. This is season five, where we're asking the question, what legacy will my church leave? Check out this season's trailer for a full explanation. One thing I've loved as I've been doing these interviews is this. The current size of your church doesn't matter. From big to small, every church can grow in their health and discipleship by pursuing the lost with movement principles. Let's jump in and listen to Eric's story of implementing movement in one of the largest churches in America. Your audience will probably be familiar with 2 Timothy 2.2, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust the faithful men will be able to teach others. Also, we just, I love that verse. Honestly, until I got involved in the movement world, I confess I didn't know how to do it. We, we were, 32 years ago, we went to the mission field. We spent 20 years in Caracas, Venezuela. I was leading the church planning team. And uh, we happened to be there when God was bringing great revival of Latin America. So by God's grace, our team established 13 churches. They grew to 35 churches. They established a sending base to send missionaries out, a Bible institute. We built a camp. Great wonderful ministry. And yet the whole time uh, as a church planner, I'd read the book of Acts and Marvel. Like, like, so Paul shows up two months later, he's got a church going and he moves on. How, how does that, we had all been taught from the time they convert to the time they can take over seven years. And that was wisdom. And, and actually in our method, the way we were doing church planning, that's right. Uh, but still, I just thought we're missing something here. And like everybody, if you said, do you, do you want to make disciples and make disciples and plant churches and plant churches? Oh, yes, absolutely. But I didn't understand how that was done. But the, the, the ministry in, in Venezuela, 20 years, was wonderful. But in 2009, the agency I worked for uh, asked me to come home and be the uh, over, oversee the missionaries and oversee their training. A friend of mine took me to, see, to meet a man named Frank Shatner. And Frank Shatner introduced us to the idea of church planning movement. And man, I, I, I love this. Like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. And so we took training and we kind of got started on it and we were trying to get it happen. It really wasn't happening for us through no fault of Frank's. I mean, we just, we just couldn't figure it out. We just couldn't make it work. And then through Frank, we met a man named Curtis Sargent. If he feels like the, the, the training has to be pursued, you've got to tell these guys what to do. And I was one of those guys. Frank was giving us more credit than we deserved. We couldn't <laughs> pay out. But yeah. Curtis was like, do it like this. Do that. Mm-hmm. It's, okay, this is great. So I started to uh, not only want it to roll it out in the field, but to do it in my own life, in my own church. Because as I looked at the tools and the, and the methodology, I thought, this is what I need. And so I was attending a very large mega church, Southeast Christian Church in Louisville. It's pastored by a man named Kyle Eidelman, who's kind of well-known in some circles. I asked them permission to start a three-thirds group. My goodness, they are so huge. It was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, it was like asking, can I get my friends together and pray for the church on Tuesday morning? Like, what are they going to tell you, no? Like, yeah. sure, go ahead, go for it. So we started a group, uh, started three of them, they tamed. We had baptisms, we had good stuff coming out of it, but the 
some of them more obeying, some of them never really grabbed it, some of them preferred their other way of doing Bible stuff. Anyway, then finally, by God's grace, the Lord connected me and met with a man named Terry Sanders. And uh, he's a lay guy at Southeast, uh, older man, retired guy. He had been the quality control director at International Harvest. Like Americans want to innovate. They want to make it better. They want to fix it. And there's like Curtis had two and a half million groups going worldwide. Like get, get two and a half million groups going and then tell us what you're going to do. Like, and so I was telling Terry, well, Terry, you've got to just, you know, follow the script. Just do the, do the tools, do the training, just like we're telling you. And Terry's like, well, of course. How else will we do it? He's a quality control guy. Like you got, you got to do it. You got to do it like it says. You know. Right. I praise God uh, for Terry. So me and him, we started a group in uh, 2015, and since then, through training people in our agency and outside of our agency and national leaders, we've gone to about 1,030 groups internationally or globally. Uh, there's 115 groups here in Louisville. In the DMM parlance, we've got what's called a four by four, mm-hmm. where it goes four streams wide by four generations deep. We're at the seventh or eighth generation. Everybody that's in it loves it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to do anything else. This is it. This is what God wants us to do. This can save the church. And, and I got to tell you, I. I love the American church. I'm a product of the American church. I, I converted at 21. I was born and raised Catholic. I drifted away from God, kind of sort of became an atheist. All the good things in my life have come through God's people, the church. When I came back from the field, the American church was like in decline. It was not, and we were hurting. You know the stats, 80% of evangelical kids lose their faith in a secular university, you know, the number of churches is declining. Church attendance is declining. This is heartbreaking to me. And so we we began to feel like, you know, this is exactly what this church, and in fact, every church needs. Mm-hmm. To, to focus on the basic. Let's teach people to obey Jesus. That will transform. Not just stuff about Jesus and stuff about the Bible. Mm-hmm. We set uh, obedience-based discipleship as separate from uh, knowledge-based discipleship. Mm-hmm. And, and we love, you know, I'm a Bible nerd. I, I, I read Logos every morning. I like the commentaries. I love all that knowledge stuff. Yet I know that what is really transformational for me is when I love my neighbor as myself, mm-hmm. when I return good for evil. This is all the stuff that's really hard. This mm-hmm. is the stuff that makes Christianity amazing. When I, when I step up and I share my testimony, when I share the gospel, when I'm living with that mindset of, man, I have to impact my world for Jesus. Jesus is right about everything, and we got to get on board with what he says. That doesn't seem revolutionary to me, but it kind of can be in the church. <laughs> you know, we tell people to share the gospel. So the guys go out and share the gospel, and they're sharing it with people who are are Christians even, and the Christians will say, so you talk, you walk up to strangers and you teach them that? You tell them that, what you just told me, and which is the gospel? And they'll say, yeah, this is what we do. And they're amazed and like, oh my goodness. And that's kind of like, why are you, you shouldn't be amazed, you know? Like, yeah. so anyway, we had this huge burden for the church. We felt like it had to work in America. I, I'm pushing this all over the world, and I've got people and other missionaries tell me, 
well, no, we can't ask the people here, you know, well, how are you going to obey this passage? And I'll be like, you can't ask people how they're going to obey Jesus. Oh, no, not in this culture. <laughs> well, how do you, how would you want to do it? Well, we could ask them, how are we going to put this in practice? Oh, okay. Well, ask that then. <laughs> you know, like, uh, he is King and Lord. We need to obey him. We've seen great growth. Our desire, our mission statement is uh, we want to be disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And thus to see God raise up a disciple-making movement that will bless our church, our city, our state, our nation, and reach the ends of the earth. So that's Matthew 28, uh, 2 Timothy 2, and Acts 1-8 all kind of combined. And we do want to bless the church. And I think I, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade or, or appear critical, but some of my brothers in the DMM world seem to feel like the main thing is get them into house churches. Like there's places all over the world where you've got to put them in house churches because there are people that will come around and crush them mm-hmm. if they're not. But in, in America, I don't feel like we can ignore the fact that we're building on somebody else's foundation. Mm-hmm. And there's churches on every block. And having a building isn't the problem. Obeying Jesus is the problem. Yep. So I feel like we got to keep the main thing the main thing. Like To be quite candid, it, there's 34,000 people in the church I attend. If I go to the, the people that run this thing and say, you know, you guys really need to get everybody in the house churches. That's just not going to fly. But everybody in that church thinks that it, Sunday's not enough. they got to be in a small group. So what we've done is said to them, make DMM your discipleship slash small group ministry. Oh, sure. Yeah. Everybody should be in a small group. Like they love that. We've got a lot of favor with the church. We, they, they hired one of our converts to be the groups guy at the church. Mm-hmm. People that have been in the Lord for 40 years are saying, I'm growing now like I never have before. Tell us the story. We have a mutual friend. Shout out to Jeremy if he's listening. But he made me think, I got to ask the story of this guy who's now on staff. Could you just tell us his story in a, a short oh, bit? Sure. I think. His name is Josh Brown. We started the first group. And then uh, Terry says, oh, man, this is great. I, I got I to gotta get another group going. Terry's amazing. So he starts another group. And, and with a guy that he recruited named Todd Ratch. And these guys are all on our leadership team now. And so Todd, Josh Brown worked for Todd. Todd says, oh, you got to come to this group. Josh shows up. Now, he had been he had been born and raised in the church. His dad was a deacon. Mm. And he had drifted away. It's a long story. It's a great story. He's sitting there, and, and we get to the part where his first meeting, well, how are you going to obey this passage? And he says quite candidly, he's a straight shooter. You know, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I don't even know if I believe in God. I don't think I do. And we said, well, and Terry said something like, well, how about if you're being speedy, come back next week? And Josh goes, okay, I'll come back. So he comes back. And at some point, uh, I, it was really early on, uh, maybe two or three weeks in, we do gospel training. And we share, the gospel through we share is called the ramp. And we shared that with him. And he, you know, he, we just said, to learn it. You know, you don't have to. Or, or if you don't want to learn, you just sit and listen to whoever sharing it to you because we have we have everybody practice. He listens to this and he realizes, you know, I believe him. I believe every word of it. Three or four weeks later, he's talking like a different guy. Like, how are you going to obey this passage? He's got an obedience. He's got a train. He's, mm-hmm. he's got a, I'm going to share the, my God. I'm thinking, Josh, what, 
you sound like an evangelical. What happened? He said, I realized I believe this. Mm. So you start starting new groups, and the church gets to know Josh, and he's got a he's a, a very charismatic young man. He's a great guy. They hire him on staff uh, to be the, over the groups at Southeast. And he says, Well, I, I the only group I want to do is three third. They said, Well, that's fine. You do all the three thirds you want, but you'll be the groups guy. So now his ministry is he takes care of all the groups at Southeast, uh, the main campus. His heart is in this DMM, this movement, and he's on our leadership team. Through him, we've gotten great uh, traction with the church. There's a bunch of factors that have contributed to that, but he's one of them. The, mm-hmm. the, the church folks love him, and he's promoting this all throughout the church. For these local groups, just how do they interact with I don't know what we'd call the big church Sunday morning gatherings. Just what does that dynamic look like? Because I fully agree with a lot of what you said earlier. And I think sometimes we struggle to piece that together. How do we have obedience-based discipleship that can multiply, but we also still kind of marry that with the, we'd say maybe the gift of a larger worship gathering and and good preaching and teaching. We'd just love to hear how you guys have seen that come together. Well, we, we think it meshes beautifully. Just, just because of the fact that the, the American evangelical church has been hardwired to think you should be in church on Sunday morning and you should be in a small group during the week. So what we're saying to the American church is, here's your small group ministry. Here's your discipleship ministry. So they meet they meet in small groups. It's like the, the church that we attend, Southeast, it's a, it offers a great variety of small groups, recovery groups, men's groups, women's groups. Well, we're one of the small groups options for them. And I think for your listeners' sake, you don't want to wrestle with that. Like once people get into the movement, they're going to realize, wait, this is way bigger. And when we talk to the church, we tell them, hey, we're getting, we're setting out to reach the ends of the earth. We have a monthly gathering of everybody and we will zoom in people from all over the globe talking about how they're doing that very same ministry in Spain or in Tunisia or wherever they are. Our desire has been to bless the church. There hasn't been any conflict. There hasn't been any problems. They feel like we're in a small groups ministry for the church. It's one of many. And we feel like, yes, that's what we're doing. So like a people will come in and they'll say, we're looking for a group. And then they'll send them to a three-thirds group. You know, or, or if they've got a, if they have some other interest, there might be another group that the church offers that might be more better fit. And so we'll send them to that. But we we are part of the church like i do group on sunday morning and the people come in and go oh that was a great sermon so we'll just say well, let's look at that text and so we'll just we'll just springboard off the sermon we'll look at the same text it's that's not a, a lot but sometimes you can just tell the group's excited and wants to talk about it, so we'll go right to that text and our looking up will be the same text that the pastor preached and that that's been great you know seeing those things work together as I'm understanding it, this was actually not like, uh, as sometimes we're like, all right, we got this new thing. We're going to roll out. We want people to sign up. But you guys just started groups and it built to the point that now people are, are connecting in, in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And that's what we, that's what we tell people. One of our things that we felt was really important was by their fruit, like let's make it work mm-hmm. and let's show the church fruit. Like that's what happened with Josh Brown. Like the church is looking at this guy going, wow, this is amazing. We just feel like if we show the church fruit, people are sharing their faith. People are ministering to their families. People are growing. People are putting aside problems and addictions and overcoming sin. And 
And these people really love Jesus. They they mm-hmm. really love him and they they want what's best for the church. And they are seeing how beneficial it is to teach people to obey Jesus and apply his teachings to them. Not just know about him, but do it. What would you just say to either encourage or maybe it's a challenge to um to an existing church pastor, or maybe it's somebody like yourself coming back from the mission field and like feeling like, oh man, I wish my church quote unquote did more, or maybe even speak to yourself if that's the best way to do it. Five, seven years ago, like what do, what do you think some people need to hear as they, as they hear what God's doing, but we know it doesn't start there. It starts with some of the other basic things that you guys did. So I'd love to, love to just give the opportunity to kind of speak into to somebody that might be asking questions or looking for some help. For me, the most challenging part of this is just my own sin nature. We have a teaching called Be a Disciple Worth Reproducing. We talk about Abraham and four moments in his life when he was called a radical and needed cost of obedience. My biggest challenge has been, okay, am I going to obey Jesus? Am I going to deny myself? My biggest challenge has always been my own sin nature. People need to understand that's going to be the hardest part of this. Mm. You know, you deal with yourself. Then the second thing is you get the training. If you tell your pastor, I'm, I'd like to start a group. It's a little different than normal, but what we're going to do is we're going to teach people to obey the commands of Jesus and teach others to do that. And the pastor's going to say, well, no, we don't do that here. I, I, you know, I just think you're, I think, I don't think it's going to be a hard sell. Like, hey, could I do this? Like one of the things that got us a lot of favor with Southeast is we don't ask for any money. We just ask for permission to do this. We, mm-hmm. we haven't, really gotten money from them. What what I've seen where I've seen people kind of flounder is they feel like they can't do this unless all the leadership in the church is behind it. Even if you're a pastor, you know, uh, in America, you're not just going to say, okay, here's what we're going to do. And everybody's going to jump. You're going to be selling us. And I use that word, just mobilizing people into it or however you want to say it. Just, you're trying to catch people, help people catch vision. So the vision catches you, it starts in your heart with a vision, and you decide, I, I want to do this. So then we're at whatever position in the food chain you're at, start a group, and then start showing people the fruit of it, what it's going to do in your life, what it's going to do in the lives of the people that are in the group. It's transformation. So you start to see transformation, and then so you, you're going to find some people in that group that are saying, this is amazing. Mm. And you kind of get a hold of the vision and say, I, I think this can change the world. I think this is Jesus's plan to change the world. Now I understand how the book of Acts works. Like mm-hmm. he didn't, he just taught these people to do this stuff. And so in Romans 15, he could say, yeah, there's no place for me to work here. I'm moving on to Spain mm. because everybody was doing what he would do if he was hanging around, yep. you know, like he didn't, they don't need him anymore. In a future episode, we'll hear more from Eric about lessons they've learned as they implement obedience-based discipleship in an American megachurch. To make sure you don't miss it, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts or head to ontheroad.link. That's ontheroad.link to get new episodes delivered to your inbox. If you have any comments or questions, you can go to that same URL or call or text 321-209-3899. This is Feeney. Thanks for listening. The On The Road podcast is to encourage you and your church to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard.